You can support this podcast on patreon.com forward slash firstpawmedia. Here's to the adventure-seeking dog mushers out there. The hundreds of you who stand on the runners dreaming and thinking about the northern lights. Of course, there is something else you can do if you've got something to say. Start a podcast with First Paw Media and harness your creative side. Maybe even earn enough money. Enough money to tell yourself, hey, I'm not just a dog musher. I'm a rover. I'm a wanderer. I'm a voyager. I'm an explorer. Visit firstpaw.media. Mush on over today. Radio Free Palmer 89.5 KVRF presents Mushing Radio, hosted by Robert Forto. Mushing Radio is about dog-powered sports, living in the Great White North, and mushing. Visit our website at mushingradio.com. Here is your host, Robert Forto. Hello and welcome everybody. This is Robert and you're listening to Mushing Radio here on KVRF 89.7 in the Matsu Valley. RadioFreePalmer.org is our live streaming site and you can find all of our episodes over on firstpaw.media and you can find us on social media as well, just searching the same name. And tonight I am joined by Jason Mackey. He is from Top Notch Kennels here in Knick, Alaska. Anybody that follows the sport of mushing knows who this guy is. But otherwise, Jason, will you do us a quick favor and tell us who you are and what you're all about, please, and a brief bio? Well, I'm Jason Mackey. I'm 51 years old. Live in Kinnick, Alaska. Um, used to be the mushing capital of the world. Now Willow is. So um, that being said, we're, we're actually looking to relocate where it's a little more um, accessible to the trails. But anyway, so, we're, um, you know, I've been doing this my whole life. And this year was a um, back into the, the picture of racing. Um, I took a short pause there for a few years and just getting back to breeding up more dogs and, um, you know, looking forward to the future of, of uh, being competitive again i ran eight iditarods um this year being my eighth and uh didn't i mean it worked out okay not as well as i wanted it to but we made the finish line and um you know each year you learn different things if you're not learning then you're not living i guess so this was an interesting year for us We'll get further into that, I'm sure, with Robert as the show goes on here. But I'm uh, just very fortunate to, to have my health and be able to continue the, the sport of mushing. I like it. Well, thanks for sharing that, Jason. So you had an interesting year all around, and, and you and I have known each other for, for a long time. I guess we met uh, just a few years after we moved up. We used to hang out over at your mom's place when we'd pick up meat and and that sort of stuff, and to sit around the table there and chat. I remember you being there a few times, so you and I got to know each other there. But uh, it's interesting that uh, in in your career, you've done a lot of things in mushing, but you had said that you took a several-year hiatus, and a lot of people, you know, they, they knew the name, but they thought, hmm, what's, what's going on with Jason? We haven't heard from him in a while. But you really, you really took some time to refocus life and everything and get things back in order that was sort of chaotic over the last few years. Is that right? You know, that's correct. Um, 
well, the last few years, so since 2017, it's been exceptionally well for me in my, my life, um, my marriage, my family. Before that, um, so I used to drink. Um, I've had the, I've had the unfortunate, um, struggles with, uh, with drugs and, you know, that was, uh, that was a hard part. That was a very difficult time, uh, in my life. And it was never, you know, I always thought I had a handle on it. Oh, I can do this. I can do that and still focus and, and be, you know, a good person. And that, that is not the case. Um, so yeah, I, I sold everything we had basically packed up everything that I wanted to keep as far as my mushing gear and, uh, everything other than cold weather clothing. I sold it all right down to the last harness and last dog and told my wife, you know, that was another thing. My, my marriage was crumbling after 25 plus years. And of course I didn't want that to happen and neither did she, but you know, she's been a very supportive and wonderful person to call my partner and, you know, hats off to her for sticking around with me because any other woman would have told me get lost. So, uh, so we, we sold out and, and I bought a seat to one way ticket to Seattle where I didn't know anybody. And that's what it took. I didn't, I didn't think that I needed to go, go to a, go to a rehab. Right. And I mean, this was my own, own way of doing it. Just get out where I didn't know anybody. And that was my rehab. So, um, it worked out very well. Well, yeah, you know, was, you know Jason, I, I really like that redemption story. And thanks for sharing, because a lot of people won't do that. They like to sweep things under the rug. And I know you've been very vocal about it. I remember reading an article in the local newspaper right before I did a rod where you, you know, you, you, you put uh, you put it all on your on your sleeve there. And I have to commend you for that for sure. But when you when you headed south, did you have it in your mind that you were going to get back into this one day? Was that sort of a focus or was it I need to go down there, reorganize life, if you will, and then, you know, yep. just take it as it comes? Yeah, I, I definitely knew that one day I would be back, um, not only to Alaska, but to the sport. Right. Um you know, dogs have been my life since I was five years old. I started running dogs and then racing um, in the junior world championships when I think I was eight. Wow. And so th that's what I know. I mean, that's what I love. That's what I'm good at doing. And, um, you know, so, yeah, I, I definitely knew I'd be back. But first, first and foremost was getting myself right and and it was it was difficult. It was difficult leaving, but I knew it was something that needed to be done. And um, so, in a year's time, Robert, I I was good. I felt like I could walk into an establishment that served alcohol and and not have a, an issue sitting down having dinner with somebody who was sitting next to me having a, a drink or a glass of wine. And you know, honestly. Um, I don't know why or how, but I've been able to 
I mean, even now I can go to these dog races, Connect 200, the drawings at the Connect Bar. It doesn't bother me a bit. I just absolutely have no room in my life anymore for that. And I, so it's been, it's been maybe easier for me than most. I don't know, but it's been good. Um, so yeah, I knew I was coming back. I just didn't think it would be this soon. And, you know, uh, to answer your question, um, I, again, I knew I would be back. I didn't think I'd be back to Iditarod as soon as I was. That wasn't the plan, but, um, you know, I was training and working up on the slope. So I had two weeks on two weeks off all year. My oldest son, Patrick would keep the dogs in training while I was gone. And, you know, I'm a firm believer. You get back what you put in. And basically I put in 50% all winter and, and it showed, you know, my dog's never even seen a bed of straw until the 18th of January this year. Well, I take that back. Connect 200 was their first time they ever camped out. So, um, really, the after the 18th, when I got home off my last two-week hitch, then I started doing some longer runs. So, um, you know, that's, uh, <laughs> again, I'm just happy to be able to be doing it. So now, now that the dogs are a little more experienced, and I've purchased some new dogs after I did a rod, I bought four Wade Mars's front end dogs. Um, he's going to take a little bit of an absence himself and raise his kids. So I got them, and then I've got uh, five others that were um, farmed out, and I got those back. So next year will be different. I got a got a nicer team, just with the experience they got on them this year, and then. Um, the new additions. So, and I'm no longer working on the slope. I, I decided to stay home and put in 110% to my kennel. So yeah, next year will be a different story. So, you know, you're, you're rebuilding and, and that was sort of the process that you had mentioned earlier. You wanted to get back into it. You knew you were going to do that, uh, when you were down South, if you will. And then you came back and, and, uh, you, you upheld your end of the bargain, if you will, and entered this year's Iditarod. And of course, the story has been told a lot about, you know, it was a tough year for the Mackey family, as we all know, with your brother's passing and all of that. And this was sort of a, if correct me if I'm wrong, Jason, but this is sort of a, a tribute to that and, uh, you know, doing this race. But obviously, you were out there doing the race. You were out there competing in the race itself. So I guess I really only have one question for you in regard to that. Then I want to talk a little bit more about your dogs and the future and all of that is when you were out there on the trail this year uh, with that firmly in your mind, how did that, how, if you can answer, how did that drive you forward, if you will, because you've done Iditarods a bunch of times, eight times now, as you said, but how was this year different if it was at all? You know, I, I didn't know that the impact of me carrying Lance uh, and my mother with me would, I honestly, Rob, I don't even know how the word got out that I was carrying Lance's ashes and my mom's. Um, but I'll tell you, it was, it was, you know, people ask me, so is it, um, so did you sign up after Lance passed? I said, no, I, I signed up on the first day. I had no idea that Lance was even sick when I signed up. Um, right. So, but anyway, yeah, it, it was, um, definitely on my mind that I would be taking him on his last journey to Nome and, 
you know, before my mom passed, I promised her that uh, I would I would continue to race dogs and hopefully the Iditarod if if funds were available to do so. But that was my promise to my mom was to continue to race dogs. And so that that was part of my sobriety as well to hold up my end of the bargain to her um, as far as that goes. But, you know, having Lance in my sled down the trail this year, I didn't again, I didn't know the impact that it would have on my race. You know, of course, it was on my mind every day. And then every time I'd see, it didn't matter who I seen. Uh, it seemed like, hey, you're carrying Lance and your mom. So it was always at the forefront of my mind, even though I tried to put it behind me and just focus on the race. I didn't, I mean, I've always known that, you know, Lance was a, a one-of-a-kind character and great for the sport and, you know, all all the above. But I did not know really truly how much that guy was loved i mean other than the way i loved him as a brother but he really has made a huge huge impact on this sport and the state i mean probably worldwide but i know that i never i never imagined it would be the way it was yeah that is for certain it, it is it is it is interesting and i think you bring up a very good point there is is to you you know, he was just your brother. Of course, you know, everybody has accolades for that. But, you know, it, it, when it's family, hey, you know, that, that's just my brother. That's just my dad, whatever. You know, it, it's different right. when it's family. It's not, oh, my goodness, you're a superstar. It's just it's just right. family. And it, it's it's a different dynamic for sure. So with that, uh, I followed your race, obviously, pretty closely uh, with our nightly podcast. We talk a lot about we always talk a lot about the middle to the back of the Packers because the, the front runners, they just get all the press anyway. You know, they're constantly right. on, on the news and on the internet and all that. So we, we intentionally focus yep. on, on, uh, on the folks that don't get a lot of press, of course. And now with you, in your case, obviously you're a big name mainly because of the Mackey, uh, connection, but, um, you still weren't talked about as much as, as, you know, the, the, the front runners, if you will. And that, that's kind of, to be expected, I guess, in terms of what they what they cover. But when you were when, when yep. you were out there on the trail, I know you had, uh, like you said, you had some dog struggles. You you hadn't uh, put in a hundred percent. The dogs were only about fifty percent ready, if you will, because they hadn't camped since you know since the connect, yep. which is in early early uh, January. But when you're out there on the trail, a lot was made about. My goodness, he's down to six dogs. Oh my goodness, he's down to five. What's he going to do? You know, just armchair mushing. Can you tell our fans, because a lot of them, of course, listen here in the off season, how does that strategy yep. come into play? Uh, you know, how, tell us as 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 a musher, but put it in you know context of if somebody doesn't know anything about it, because most people think you know you're going to start with fourteen or whatever, and if you <coughs> drop them as you go. Uh, you're losing steam, if you will, if you know what I'm saying. At what point did it at all concern you that you were down to the bare minimum? You know, it it wasn't concerning to me until Koyuk. Um, I got to Koyuk with six dogs. I left Koyuk with five. And I knew that those five were solid, but at any point, that fifth dog could become, I mean, could step in a hole, could step in a crack in the ice, could not feel good and and that could end your race um 
but the sixth dog that I left in Koyuk, he had been struggling with um, some pretty bad diarrhea for quite a few days, and I would get him healed up, and then the next dog would go, you know. So it was just I struggled with with a uh, intestinal bug right from Finger Lake with the entire team. So again, I wasn't concerned. I mean, five dogs is the minimum you can have at the finish line. And, you know, when you're, when you're down to that number of dogs, that just means one, you don't have the power in the Hills Two, you better be willing and able to get off the runners and do just as hard as work as they are. And so that's, that's what I had to do. But that being said, even with the small number. So I had, I had seven going into Eagle Island even. And so seven dogs, uh, I was able to travel just as fast as I wanted to. I was making good time. You just don't have the power, but that being said, it's much easier to take exceptionally good care of a small team like that. Um, although we take exceptional care of 14, it just takes longer. Now I'm down to, like I said, nine, seven, six, and then five. So when you've got five dogs, it takes me about five minutes to boot them. You know, it takes a little longer to go through them and rub them down and do the ointments on their feet and all that. So I was not concerned with the number of dogs to get me to the finish line. It was my only concern, Robert, was hopefully that fifth one doesn't, uh, something doesn't happen to it because that would end my race. But, you know, I didn't think that way. I I knew that them five were solid, and I thought, you know what? That's all I need. I, I mean, my brother Rick took five dogs from Ruby in 84. The year pre, prior, he won the race. So now everybody's chasing the current, the the former champ down the Yukon with a five-dog team, and, and he's still hung on. So it's been done in the past. The I was traveling with a guy, um, a rookie, Jed Stevenson. I was around him a lot. And I passed him going into Gullivan and I left him on Gullivan Bay and then coming into White Mountain, he caught back up with me and he passed me and he says to me as he goes by, you better breed all five of those dogs. He just <laughs> couldn't believe that five dogs could do what they were doing. So, yeah, I, again, I, I wasn't concerned. My only concern was if something was to happen to that fifth one, I knew I'd make the finish line. If that, if something didn't happen, yeah. Um, and if, if I did, could, I, did if, I want to be, in, you know, last place isn't where I wanted to be, but um, my wife put all that into perspective for me at the finish line. You know, as you're out there, I mean, you've raised dogs yourself. You know that it's not easy to bring up the back of the pack. Oh yeah. You feel like you're letting your sponsors and your friends and your family and everybody down. And um, and at some points, I felt that way. But at the same time, then that goes away and you think, you know what? There's not too many people that can do this anyway and certainly couldn't maybe make the finish line with a small team. Um, so I was okay with it. But then my wife put into perspective at the finish line that, uh, you know, you cut the ribbon at the ceremonial start. Um, you brought your brother and mom to the finish line and now you're putting out the, the flame. And... Um, you know, I think that right there is when that, then when all of it, the entire race, the entire year of preparing, hit me. Yeah. Because it hit me like a brick wall. I was, 
you know, again, hearing it day in and day out about Lance and your mom. And then when she told me that it's finished, it was a very, um, not only heartfelt, but very emotional moment for me. Well, you know, Jason, I think that goes back to what you said earlier when you were talking about how uh, your wife, Lisa, I don't know if a lot of people know uh, your wife's name, but your wife, Lisa, just being that rock for you through all of this, uh, you know, she she was the one that finally put it into perspective. And I'm sure that you're, you're thinking about that, but it's that uh, teamwork that you guys had that really brought it together. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and for those that I mean, there's a lot of people know the, of my wife and have met her. Um, and absolutely, she she's the reason I'm even here. And when I say the reason I'm here um, on earth, you know, because that was my whole focus when I sold out. Um, she was my high school sweetheart. She, like I said, she has stood behind me through thick and thin. And I'll tell you, I haven't been the easiest guy to probably live with or be married to for sure so that was a huge part of getting well that was she was a very first and foremost and still is the first and foremost important thing in my life um so i owe it to her um 100 percent couldn't couldn't say it better for sure so jason before we run out of time i i, I would like to find out what's next i know you talked about well, you bought some dogs from Wade and, and, you know, did some other things here in this very short off season. I mean, heck, I did a rod just ended yep. two or three weeks ago at the time we were recording this. What is next for you? Are you planning on, I did a rod next year? Uh, what's the, and it, correct me if I'm wrong as the red lantern, do you get an entry or something comped? What is so that story? That was, I got the most inspirational, most inspirational. Um, there you board. go. Yep. Yeah. And that's voted on by the, my peers. And so that was, that comes with next year's entry fee paid. Okay. That being said, um, yes, I'm running Iditarod. And even if I hadn't got a free entry fee, then I was still going. But, um, so that's a, that's a huge thing. You know, of course, coming up with $4,000 just to write your name on a piece of paper is always difficult. Um, so yeah, I will be going to Iditarod. I've got a very busy schedule in front of us this year. So, like I said, normally I work on the slope. I'm no longer doing that. I will be racing. I'm going to sign up for everything that fits in the calendar, um, starting with with the preliminary Connect 200, um, stuff like that. I want to go to Cusco. I want to do the Quest. Uh, every, everything, like I said, everything that, that works out for the team. So, I've got so this year, I started with 16 dogs in training, whittled it down to 14. I had 14 dogs all season. So that, To the bare minimum. The, the bare minimum, that's it. So I ran two seven-dog teams, basically, until um, connect time, and I put them together. So I guess that was part of the part of uh, not such a big deal when I was down to seven dogs, because that's what I'd been training all year. So... Um, you know, seven dog teams. And so that was good, but yeah, I, I've got a very, um, high hopes for this team. You know, the team that we bred the kennel that we bred. So I started in, uh, in 2018. So the the spring of 2018, excuse me, the fall of 2018, we bred two dogs. 
got a litter out of them. It's 100% litter. Bred them again, 100% litter. And, you know, we're always looking. Everybody says, oh, yeah, you only get a few good ones out of the litter. And that's not true. There's, I feel that this, the kennel that we've got going now is definitely, I know what they are. So, the, you know, the outcome remains to be seen of what we can do with them. So I'm not going to talk them up too much, but they're, they're a nice group and we put in new additions. So yeah, next year should be good. And for years to come. I like it. So Jason, I always ask my guests the same question, at least I have the last few years and I'm interested to hear your perspective. So you've been doing this uh, you said you're 51 years old now. You started when you were five. So at about 45-ish years, you've been involved with this sport. And the question yep. is, and I don't know if you've listened to a lot of our podcasts and heard other answers, but the question is, what do you think the future is of mushing here in the next five or 10 years? What do you think we're going to see with climate and the economy and you know the state of uh, where people are at in the sport. What do you think? Where, where's, where is uh, mushing going to be in the next decade or so? You know, I hope, I hope that it can hang on to, to at least what it is now. Um, that being said, you know, the, there's a lot of things. I don't know. I mean, I honestly can't answer that. I do know myself. I've always said, and I will stick to it. When it comes to the Iditarod, um, if they were to put a pallet of dog food in Nome and said that's what you're racing for, then I'd be going to Nome. It, you know, even though you, if you're racing dogs to make money, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Right. Um, I enjoy being out there. Everybody else enjoys being out there. It costs so much to do it now. So, you know, I don't know where where dog racing as far as the Iditarod is going to be, but as long as that event is still going, we'll be in it. And I, I just hope that, you know, the, the future generation of kids, there's, it seems like there's not that many, but then you look at these smaller races and they're all full. Um, so maybe I, I think dog mushing isn't going anywhere. I think the, the bigger events without upping the purse, well, that could that could dwindle even more than it was this year in numbers of entrants. But you know, it only takes a few people to have a race. You know, um, yeah, you just you, think, you just need two. You need somebody to come in first and somebody to come in last, and you've got a race. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so there you, know, you go. I think though, I think, I mean, there's always going to be those that want to just go to Nome, one and done. There's always going to be rookies that want to get better as they as they continue to race it so i just hope that it can hang on that's that's my hope but so now that i'm back i know that i'm not going nowhere as long as my health is is good um you know i've got a 31 and a 29 year old son my 31 year old he certainly wants to race it and continue racing with from this this upcoming season, he'll be in all the races as well. Not I did a rod this year, but maybe down the road here in the near future. So uh, then he's also got kids himself that, of course, they'll probably be racing dogs. So long as we keep breeding up mushers, I think it will be good. 
I like I like that response for sure. So, Jason, how can people uh, get in touch with you? Uh, I know you're active on some of the social media sites. What's your website? Where can yep. people reach out to you? So it's uh, our new website. So we've got a new website. We've never had one before. It's Mackey's Top Notch Kennel, topnotchracingkennel.com. And, you know, the guy that does it for us, he's in the U.K., He's done an exceptionally good job. There's merchandise. There's all kinds of stuff on there. So it's a good way to follow along. We've got a Facebook page. We now have a YouTube channel, thanks to him. Um, Instagram. And then, of course, uh, my my personal contact is on there as well. So All, all good. So we will definitely put all those links over on your show notes page. And, guys, definitely check out the website. I remember looking at that. Uh, earlier in the year, probably right around the time it was launched. And I thought, man, this 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 is pretty slick uh, with the quotes on it and the graphics and all that. That guy did a, a, a pretty bang up job for sure. So with that, uh, I want to thank our guest today, Jason Mackey. This is Robert for Mushing Radio. We will see you guys next time. Goodbye. From Dog Works Radio, this is Mushing Radio. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we invite you to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. You can tap or swipe on the episode cover art, and you'll see some offers from our sponsors. You can support our show by supporting them. If you like what you have heard, we would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe, too. Your hosts are Alex Stein and Robert Forto. Our producer is Robert Forto, created for Dog Works Radio.